Welcome to Midnight Menu Plus One. I'm Ray Kanata. And I'm Margot Moss. We're here at Ted's Frost Hop on Claiborne and Calhoun in Uptown New Orleans. Once a week, Margot and I meet here at Ted's and we invite a member of New Orleans restaurant and food community to join us. And we invite them to bring along a friend, a plus one. We never know who that plus one is going to be. It can be a neighbor, a family member, really that, who they went to the prom with, anybody. But in just a few moments, we're going to be talking with our special guest, the great Hillary Gutman, who will take us on a journey from neuroscience to carrot cake and beyond. I'm very excited about this. And while we await her entry, uh, Margaret, I'm wondering what you did for Bastille Day. Did you do anything exciting? I want to say yes. <laughs> you were sick, But though. nothing French. Nothing, nothing French, okay. to celebrate Bastille Day. What did you do on Bastille Day? Well, I, for, for about four or five years when we first moved here, we would have a big Bastille Day party and like 100 people over and a big deal. Uh, this year we didn't do that, but we went with some friends um, to a Bastille Day party they had. It was a combination birthday Bastille Day party. So we made, we, they made crepes, and um, we brought Nutella and chocolate <laughs> chips, and everybody brought their favorite toppings to the crepes. And some French wine, and it's mostly folks in their twenties, and we were the old people there, and we had a great time. Awesome. awesome. Does anybody yeah. speak French in that group, or are you just, uh, just? Well, my daughter's fluent, it. you know, right? My daughter's oh, I didn't know French. that. Oh yeah, yeah, my daughter's fluent in French. She's, so she she's goes been going to, to Audubon immer- Charter School, uh, French immersion, since pre-K four, and now she's just finished uh, fourth grade. So, wow. oh yeah, she's totally fluent. In fact, we ran into somebody at the running of the Bulls who lived in Paris for many years. And they were like going back and forth in French. It was it was great, but that was fun too. Running the bulls. Did you do you, you do run the bulls or no? No, we didn't do it this year. I like that a lot. I got to ride. Where on was scooter. it? Wasn't it in a different? Was yeah, it in the they moved. This they year? moved to the Sugar Mill because it's gotten so big. The organizer of it is a friend of mine, Mickey Hannon. He's the guy who started in 2007, and it's uh, 15,000 people now. But you know what? Enough wow. of this. We 15, really 15,000 people. 15,000 really? meals. Started with 200, now it's 15,000. It was awesome. All right, are we ready? I see her out there. She's lingering. And our special guest on Midnight Menu Plus One is the one and only Hillary Gutman of Laurel Street Bakery. Welcome. Thank you. Good to have you here. Good to be here. Tell us about yourself. Tell us what uh, Laurel Street is about. Sorry. Oh. Who cool. are you? Where um, is Laurel Street? What does it do? <laughs> wow. Okay. We um, Our retail location is on Laurel and Octavia at 5433. We've been there since August of 2005. Um, we're open to the public as a retail bakery. Uh, we serve all sorts of things every day, seven days a week, bagels, croissants, muffins, brioche, all homemade, all uh, preservative-free, very old-fashioned style of baking that I adhere to. Um, all right. We don't cut any corners, and we don't use mixes, and we don't do anything that's too complicated, but it's all good homemade food. Um, all right. I have a wholesale operation that actually supplies the same kinds of goodies to a lot of coffee shops and hotels in the city. It's kind of the business behind the scenes. A lot of people don't know that we even have that component, but it's actually the largest portion of the business. Um, so almost... Every independently owned coffee shop that you would go to would probably have something of ours, um, as well as a lot of the hotels downtown. The convention center carries our stuff for the um, retail outlets that they have in the convention center. That's a um, large. Yes, it's a it's a that's a huge account. component of the business that actually operates out of a different location, not on Laurel Street. Okay, that was I was going to ask you. So, how long have you been had a wholesale component? It's August of 2005. Actually, I've had a wholesale component since April 1st of 2004, which is when I bought the business that only occupied the Laurel Street location, and it was 100% wholesale. It was run by a woman named Elizabeth Crawford, and she did wholesale baking for just a handful of coffee shops, and that's the business that I actually purchased, but there was no, um, there was no storefront, there was no seating. It was all wholesale. So I, I maintain that. I actually still sell a lot of the same recipes that were hers and to a handful of the same customers. So I've just maintained that all along. And in the year and a half between April of 2004 and August of 2005, while running that smaller wholesale operation, I renovated the front of Laurel Street to have seating and the counter and open to the public. So actually the retail space is... is what I've always wanted to do, but was a, a secondary thing to the wholesale. Okay, and I noticed the date of your retail business opening 
is you notice how, that how how long before <laughs> Katrina that that's uh it was well we opened on August 7th <laughs> and we were only open on Saturday and Sunday to the public so I think we got a total of four and a half retail days in before I looked at the at the television screen and noticed that there was this huge hurricane heading straight at us I think that was actually on Saturday before Katrina hit um, and then we closed and remained closed till the very very beginning of October and weren't were you one of the first businesses to come back in that area and, yes. and be an anchor for yeah, we yeah I mean, the, the first of October it was still checkpoints and the it was very, like people yeah. weren't allowed back in the city and all that and you had already reopened by then right the very first day that the water was approved I think they had there was a yellow sticker on the front of your door if you hadn't had it inspected by the health inspector but then the water was approved and then they I think they changed that to a pink sign or something like that um, it was the first day that we could operate there were a handful of places that were operating before that but just grilling and not using water but in my business there was no way to do it without water because it goes into so many of our products and we had to wash dishes um, so but I think I don't remember the exact date but I think it was August 4th or 5th mm. I'm, I'm sorry October 4th or 5th um, but it was it was soon it was very soon I know we were I think we were the first place to have coffee uptown huh. maybe neck and neck with Cafe Luna um, who was one of my wholesale customers at the time too um, so it was it was um, it was very interesting it was wonderful though it was it was a you know, I wasn't sure what was going to happen. The first day, I didn't know if no one was going to come or everyone was going to come or somewhere in the in between. I didn't have a whole lot of retail experience at that point. I had a I could only get a very limited number of ingredients, so what I made really depended on what I had. Um, it was at that point it was almost impossible to get a delivery of, of anything I would go to the grocery store on the West Bank which I think was the only one that was open at the time to get as much as I could to, to make mm -hmm. food for the next day huh. um, but it was wonderful because all you know people came they I don't I'm not sure we would have been put on the map quite as quickly uh, if that hadn't have happened um, right we put a big plywood sign on on the corner of magazine and uh, Jefferson Avenue and it said something like you know need coffee and then had a big arrow with our address um, that was your, yeah yeah that was our media at the time <laughs> um, and it was very busy for for a couple of months yeah now before you were you would bake there what is a little bit of your history how have you been baking your whole life and interested in uh, baking or was that later? What did you want to do when you were in college? I had no idea. Um, <laughs> well, in answer to your question, I, I've always done things in the kitchen, primarily with my mom. Um, we did do a lot of cooking and baking, but not, not anything extraordinary. Um, in... In college, I, I studied art and biology, and I, I... Art and biology? Yeah, I was going to follow the, the path of the biology. Um, I kind of thought that maybe I might go to medical school, but I in, or, in the college that I went to, I could not do both biology and art and be pre-med and play a sport, So which <laughs> I did. I played <laughs> collegiate softball. Um, so I had a straight biology major, so I decided to go to... Um, graduate school in a PhD program in biology so as far as my career track it had nothing to do with baking at all okay, biology so science yeah. and art people don't always think of that as a going together but no. that <laughs> says a lot about you you're you, did you like draw a lot of pictures brains, of like uh, botany or something like what you know I <laughs> did I had several internships where um, I would begin studying, you know, whatever we were studying, and then my professor would find out that I also was an art major, and he, and then I became the graph, you know, the medical illustrator. Um, ah. So I, I've I've drawn a lot of cells and mitochondria, and I actually had an internship studi studying spiders in San Francisco, and I studied, I drew them in great detail um, because because it that kind of thing comes comes very naturally to me, and. Um, so nerdy, but creative. Artsy, so artsy, and a jock. 
mostly nerds. Yes, wait, wait, yes. So what, what table did you sit in the cafeteria? Yeah. Was it the jock table, the nerd table, or the artsy table? That's I didn't have time for You didn't eat. Tables. <laughs> <laughs> it was just studying and, and running around. Uh, um, well, you know, Margo's an art teacher. Oh, yeah? I didn't know Did that. you save pictures of all these? Uh, uh, yeah, you have, do you have pictures hanging up in your house right now of, like, mitochondria that you drew in college or anything? Not mitochondria. My, my <laughs> focus in college was... Um, Figure drawing. So, yes, art, but from uh, a very biological standpoint. The human body was always something that was very interesting to me. Um, musculature, bones, how it all goes Classical together. Tree. Movement. Um, right. So, I have actually a lot of nude drawings in my house. All right. <laughs> More so than mitochondria. <laughs> okay, wait. Speaking of nude, this is going to seem like a strange segue, yeah. but... You have a sign that I've seen around town. Did you create that? No. And, and tell every. Do, so what does that have to do with nude? It's called the. It, well, the advertisement says that the hottest muffins in town, right? Yes. So you did not draw that. I did That's not. That's my first question. I did not. That was my my sister, who is actually a graphic designer by profession, drew okay. oh. drew that, sent it to me. Well, this is. Um, <laughs> and said, print these. And People will like them. And I okay, did. There's kind of a figurative <laughs> aspect to it, let's say. I don't know if Ray's seen it, but it's uh, a nice drawing illustration of uh, a woman holding a tray with muffin, uh, um, muffins on muffins. it, right? And, and a very whipped cream and red cherries on top. <laughs> and it's very suggestive, let's yes. say, of the female anatomy oh wow okay and, so it, and it kind of looks like me <laughs> people it does have feel, said but like a 50s version of you maybe yes. so has anyone ever been offended by that yes <laughs> really yes. you've done complaints someone about it? in your family you're blushing no, my it? neighborhood and what oh uh, yes oh we got damn a arna of, again is it gonna be arna we again? got a couple of phone calls <laughs> you're supposed to be a kid friendly i'm like it's just muffins it's, supposed to be it's kid just friendly. what are you and looking at how much controversy <laughs> kids find it rude like how's that a kid friendly <laughs> no the parents <laughs> the parents you you've had parents i had when really? that happened um oh there's nothing wrong with that that happened now. because we're looking at the graphic of it right now oh okay my um I, I had just had a very it's sweet, casual conversation with my sister about <laughs> kind of a lull in she sales. Like her, so I'm like holding up to you. Sorry, <laughs> it was a little. Fortunately, we're not on TV. Okay. Right. Um, so she, I had I was just talking to her briefly about um, over the phone about just a lull in sales. It's kind of a, a cyclical business. We in the spring and summer we slow down a little bit, and I was kind of saying, oh, you know, it's. It's slow, and then we're not having as much foot traffic, and I'm not sure what to do, and I don't have I don't have any marketing, and so she sent me that PDF um, that she designed one evening. Like uh, I think she got so off the, the phone. So the marketing with me. is working. If you're getting right, I mean, you're well, getting people. That was a few years ago, and I, I actually only printed one round of it, um, and put them up throughout the neighborhood, and. Um, I only got a couple of negative complaints. Most people thought it was hysterical. Um, yeah. and, and we actually still have one of the signs up in our window so. at the Little Bakery. So you're bringing creativity to the bakery. You, 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 how, how does science and art lead, correlate to baking? I mean, like, well, do you feel you're utilizing, uh, you, maybe not the athletic, the softball, well, I think it all kind of how comes does it together. Come together in, in your uh, baking. I found out very quickly that once I started the PhD program in biology, I was at univers the University of Texas in studying neuroscience cool. in a, in a lab. Neuroscience. Very cool, uh, very interesting topic. But the the day to day of being in a lab, um, I found very quickly that. Me as a human being, I have to I have to make things every day, I, and whether it be a drawing or ceramics or stained glass, I do all that kind of stuff. I did a lot of printmaking in college. Um, not having that was very tough. Um, so while I was working on experiments and projects, the length of time of those was very long. Not not necessarily having um, direct results every day. Mm -hmm. that you could see, that you could look at, that you could say, I did this today. Um, and it was tough. So I, um, I actually got a part-time job 
at a bakery because I was looking for something that was that I could create and make and hands on and um, and I, I could have I could use the money and it was a bunch of there were a bunch of young people working there with seemed to be you know kind of bouncing off the walls like I was um, and it was a great fit as far as pace and creativity and um, on your feet the the pace of it was much geared much better to to my personality than what I was studying and what I was doing in the lab environment um, and then the athleticism of 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 actually the kind of job that you have you it's very physical it's people Endurance are very surprised really yeah. huh? it's um, the the smallest increment of flour you can buy is 50 pounds so you have to be <laughs> strong you have to be able to carry it across the room and you have to be able to be on your feet for many many hours so you know and probably all night right I mean you bake to have some stuff ready for the next day is it, it really depends on my wholesale business starts at 3 p.m. and bakes through the evening and into the night. Okay. The retail business starts at 4 a.m., 5 a.m. to open for the morning. So it depends on which I'm doing at any given time. But it's pretty much around the clock. Um, mm. So you have to have the endurance to just, you know, if, if it's the night before Thanksgiving and we have 200 pies on order... It doesn't really matter if you're tired. You have mm-hmm. to just make pie dough until the orders are done. So, you know, it's, I think all components of everything that I've ever done are related to it. And then just like I was, just the, the, um, the science of what's interesting to me is what's actually happening when I make something. And I, I can get really nerdy about what happens when you mix certain ingredients together. And it gets me very excited and I want to tell everybody about it and some people are as excited about it and some people have no idea what I'm talking about yeah. but that that component of it learning and I was mostly self-taught learning you know what exactly is happening when bread rises for example or what makes the flakiness of a croissant I mean I can I can all go right, down we're gonna to pick all your that. brain about that and get all nerdy <laughs> yeah but we have to bring in your because uh, that is interesting I I, I want to I'm sure people want to hear about that. I mean, I'm curious because my brain does not work like that. But there is a science to baking, and I don't. So, anyway, let's get. You have your plus one here. Yes. We hello. W- hello. <laughs> All right. Who is your plus one, and why in the hell did you bring him? It's <laughs> a very good question. <laughs> well, my plus one is Will Bradshaw. He is the developer of the buildings that have just recently been renovated in the Broadmoor neighborhood oh. where we are opening we Laurel Street Bakery awesome. number two. Oh. So he is the motivation and energy behind what I think is one of the best little areas that's about to open up in New Orleans. Well, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me here. Now, wait, did you say your what component do you have? Um, my company is called Green Coast Enterprises, okay. and we have redeveloped four buildings at the intersection of Washington and Broad. We call it the Community Green at Washington and Broad. Oh, okay. So um, that's kind of near the library, near Keller Library and all that. Near that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah includes that's a great the, spot. Thank you. It includes the propeller building, uh, the building that Laurel Street's going to be in that also has the Broadmoor Improvement Association oh. and Broadmoor Development Corporation. Global Green uh, is also a tenant in there. Includes the building we're in, which has our office, our, what we like to call our world headquarters upstairs, and uh, then a space for a group called Three Potato Four. Uh, that Three is another. Three Potato Four. Three Potato Four is another sort of restaurant space that's opening up. They do uh, French fries and uh, drinks and a couple other things. And oh wow! Then a community-based medical clinic. Uh, huh. That we're doing with a group called South Broad Community Health. So, how long have you been working in Broadmoor, doing what you're doing? Um, really, almost since about the same time that. Uh, Hillary reopened Laurel Street, uh, so, so October 2005. Uh, we were been working on this development since really kind of 06, 07. Took a long time okay. to get here. Yeah. Well, it's really exciting. I mean, I really, I love. It's crazy great Thank for you. the area. And do you now? I know that the the Whole Foods is further up right. in the Tulane School of Medicine nutrition department but do you did y'all do you feel that you're the anchor for that um 
I mean, the, the the corridor I think has a couple of bookends now. That refresh project is wonderful, and the Ruth Fertel Clinic, which is close to it, that Tulane opened, also really wonderful. Uh, the medical school has been our partner, uh, okay. our South Broad Community Health partner, in helping to plan the facility at, at Washington and Broad, uh, and is now helping to coordinate a relationship with what will hopefully be the federally qualified health center that operates out of there. It's really, I mean, a, a total facelift for that intersection. It's been such a cool change, and Hillary was the first retailer that we talked to that wanted to commit to that intersection. Uh, so she's close to Councilmember Cantrell, uh, who was also one of the major supporters for us. And I remember LaToya set up a meeting between the two of us before I met her. Uh, and at that point, I think the one thing I knew about her was, and I, I hope you don't mind if I'm going to tell the story, but uh, there was a point soon after <laughs> she opened where actually the Laurel Street location was held up by an, an armed robbery. I remember that, yeah. There, um, was, there was a gunshot that went off in oh, your place, seven. right? Seven gunshots. Yes. All right. Yeah. Wow. So this is right after y'all met or before? Before. And so this is the only thing I knew going into this meeting uh, is that during this armed robbery, Hillary actually stepped between the gun and her employee. Uh, oh, okay. I didn't hear chills. that part. Wow. Yeah. Why don't you tell me about that? Uh, you were a hero. No, not really. <laughs> I was. I sensed that the person that was at the counter was going to do something bad and so my uh, employee had started waiting on him and I went into the front and and pretended to be fiddling with something and 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 he uh, he was asking really odd questions about brownies which it was uh, like 9 30 a.m. on a Tuesday this person should have been in school I mean he was young and I just something didn't seem right so I went I didn't really step in between but I went to the front to make sure that if something happened then I would be there and he did he he ended up pulling a gun on me and she went and she ran into the back and now how did he get off seven shots like was he trying to scare you was he shooting around you was he shooting at you in just a bad shot like what is he doing an off-duty parole officer um so I so the he um asked me to get the money out of the drawer and I was panicked and was having a hard time with the register and at that time on a Tuesday morning at 9.30 the only person who was in the bakery was a a regular customer of ours who was an off-duty parole officer. I didn't know that. He was in plain clothes. People should know that don't know your bakery. I mean, you have like, what, five tables in the bay? I mean, it's not a big area. It's 400 square feet of seating. Right, so he's a few feet away from the robber. So he was sitting at the table by the window and he that the guy was getting more and more irritated with the fact that I was could not and I was I was like you can take the money like I don't I wasn't putting up a fight I but was just, just having trouble getting the I was just my hands were shaking and I w- it, and so I said you know give me the money anyway the officer said freeze police and um did he have a gun the officer he did and but and the the guy did not freeze he actually turned towards the officer and at that point, the officer sh- shot him once in the side, um, and he was like two feet from three feet. However, the width of the counter was from me, like oh, directly. Wait. It was it was pretty surreal. Um, and the, so the the kid who was robbing the store turned and fired like six shots at the officer, Just and it was like it was like that scene from Pulp Fiction where like. <laughs> It right, was, it was every single space around him. And and the officer was seated at a table. I mean, he was like a sitting duck. I mean, and, but he just missed. He's missed. Um, and then, so, but the, the kid ran out the side door, and the officer shot one more time at his legs and missed him, and it went through the bathroom door. So it was a total of uh, two from the officer, five from the kid, or six from the kid. I don't know. And it you was weren't hurt? No. And the, your Nobody was hurt. hurt. Now, how does that work? You close down for the rest of the day? Did you open the next day? I mean, like... It was... Um, how traumatized were you by it? The main thing I remember is being deaf. I was... I don't know if you've been that close to... Yeah, gunshots, right. But yeah, I, yeah. Um, I, he ran out. I didn't really know what had happened because as soon as I started hearing gunshots, like th- we had a we have a big refrigerator in the front or had we don't have it anymore. I like dove back behind it. My two employees who were in the bakery thought that I was that I had been shot. Oh. 
Um, so they were hiding under the tables in the back, and there's no way to get out. I don't have a door to the kitchen. There's only one exit. And there's that's an, a front en- exit entrance and a side entrance, but both are in the front. Once you get into okay. the back of the kitchen, you can't get out. And so they didn't know what had happened. I didn't know what was going on. I stood up, and there was smoke everywhere, and I couldn't hear anything. And the officer followed the kid so no one was in there I was like by myself I didn't know where anybody had gone um there were there were there was glass everywhere um and the tables were all torn up from the bullets so it was just surreal finally he came back and he wouldn't he wouldn't actually tell me anything because he had the first person he was required to talk to was his supervisor so um one of my employees came out saw that I wasn't shot and and called the police and so the police came two or three minutes later and the the, there was actually a getaway car so they drove to did they uh catch the yes they drove they got almost to i think they were trying to go to children's hospital because he had been shot which is not far about a mile from me not even he didn't get that far they ended up um he got out of the car i think on henry clay and chapatulis and was Bleeding and and then the police caught up with them and he he eventually got to the hospital but he uh, he was they knew exactly who he was because he was on the scene and he was you know it was so they they got both of them um, and he actually was responsible for a number of armed robberies in the in that neighborhood all in that in that same time um, it was October. Of 2008, so you, I think. Wait, let me ask you. So you you have this l- traumatic experience, and then you, y'all meet a week later? No, a week. I don't even know how much later. I, I don't recall. Oh, I'm sorry. But, but yeah, but, there, but you y'all met closely after that. I don't know how long. No, no, I think he just said that. I think that he just this said is that all I knew about Laurel Street. Oh, that's right. all this you is knew all about I knew about it. Yeah, okay. that was a lot of publicity for Laurel Street. <laughs> it was. <laughs> Maybe not but the we, you wanted, but yeah, yeah, we ended up opening the next day because that's just you opened up we the next roll. day. That's what I wanted to know. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay, that, my, that's, um, that sounds about right. My aunt came and helped clean everything up. Wow. You know, we got the windows fixed, and I didn't. I just I couldn't let a day go by without just doing what we do. I felt like that would be letting them win you know right so and it was great we had a ton of support everybody was very they were afraid i was never going to come back you know i think everybody was just like she's been through a hurricane and she's you know she's just that was my first thought when i heard about in the news i thought oh (laughs) crap we're gonna lose laurel steep breakery no no you're gonna move to uh you know houston or something but no so what motivated you to want to be a part of that a new community that is maybe a little uh it was a li- it's more transitional mm-hmm. well, let me let me take a first crack at that i'll okay, finish the story okay, that i that i started yeah. that, um, so this is all i know about hillary when i meet her right and i'm like a fairly big guy i'm about 220 pounds i'm 62 whatever that you know hillary's not that big um, i think she can take you though she, but she definitely could <laughs> Um, and anyway, we go out to this project where I have these four, like, buildings that are in pretty terrible shape at the time, right? They're, they're kind of broken down. Like, I'm terrified to take her to these buildings because I'm like, as soon as she sees these buildings, she's out of here. Like, she's done. <laughs> um, so I'm making every excuse I can possibly think of to not take her over there. Uh, and finally, she calls me and she's like, look, either you show me the buildings or I'm, I'm out. Like, that's it. Like, all right, I'll meet you in an hour. So we get over there, and my contractor, who's doing some uh, demolition work and cleaning out the buildings for me, has changed the lock on the door but not left me a key <laughs> uh, and just put up this, like, crazy little plywood thing. Uh, and we come around to the back, and we're, like, trying to figure out how to get in, and I think she probably thinks that I've just, like, obfuscated again. Like, oh, well, we can't get in the building. Whatever, I'm locked out, blah, blah, blah. So I'm calling him, trying to figure it out, and she takes a look at the plywood, and she's like, you're a big guy. Why don't you just break it down? <laughs> Come on, impress me. Use and your I was like, curse. oh, she's going to be fine. <laughs> <laughs> and is it going to be um, called Laurel Street Bakery? Yes. Is it a- All right. Yeah. I like that. So it will be um, similar to the one on Laurel Street, um, more focused on breakfast and lunch, especially morning and afternoon sandwiches. Um, 
I think most of the clientele is going to be professional people looking for healthy, good food um, relatively quickly. We'll still have, you know, muffins and croissants and all of those things, but I'm going to try to focus a little bit heavier on our bagels and cream cheese and also our breakfast and lunch options. Well, I used to go to the... um the library over there. I go there a lot. Mm-hmm. I love that. I don't live in the Broadmoor, but I love that it's area. And I, it's really exciting, all the growth that's going on there. And they had a little coffee shop in the library. It was great. And yeah, it, I heard it closed down recently. Yeah, it's closed. Yeah. And so I am so excited because I'll be able to work at the library and go have a, a great breakfast. And um, yeah. And I wanted to ask you about that area. What is the propeller? What is propeller? Um, so it's a space that you can rent uh, by the office, by the desk, or just have a membership to where you can just come in as you need. Uh, and whatever available space in the co-working area. Oh, it's is a there. co-work space. Down. Okay. So it's sort of co-working and shared offices. And then it has some conference rooms and it's event space. It's bright and really well it stands out. Thank I you. mean, you can really see it, and it's clean and modern, and yeah. looks like a. I, every time I drive by, I'm like, I want to know what's in there. It's <laughs> it's really an exciting space for us. I mean, it, that uh, we were actually originally using that building as storage for the Salvation Army um, for their sort of food distribution for disasters in this region, which was a perfectly lovely use. But basically, we were storing beans, right? Like in this building. And now we have over 85 people that come to work there every day, over 85? 40 businesses that are wow. occupied out of that space. And at full capacity, we could serve 200 businesses per year uh, in our co-working. And um, we're partnered with Propeller, a force for social innovation, which is the, the name change of what used to be called Social Entrepreneurs of New Orleans. Yeah. I don't know if you all know Andrea Chen and uh, Neil Gibbons is her board chair. Like, just both of them kind of forces of nature that uh, amazing, amazing partners that have taken this idea of social innovation and social entrepreneurship uh, and just exploded it in this area. And, and that space is really their, like, geographic home. It's fabulous. Uh, we're just over the moon about what they've done in the same way that we're super excited about having Laurel Street move over. Yeah, there's just some really cool energy and stuff happening at the project. Right. It's, it's and great. I get to so feed them all. So what is the date, you think, of completion for that property? When are you going to be opening the, the second? The bakery? Yeah, yeah. Or the whole property? Well, no, well, no, no most yeah, of the properties. Yeah, um, we there. are scheduled for August 17th. August 17th? For the That's grand soon. opening. Great. Uh, okay. Um, we have, um, the interior is almost completely done. Um it's a matter of getting the final permitting and equipment in place. Um, so, yeah, soon, about a month from now. Great. That's exciting. Well, it, we need to ask y'all some a very, very important question right now. Okay. And uh, this is the part of the show where we, uh, you pick a number okay. from our book of questions. Excellent. And you have to answer it no matter how goofy you think it is. What I can is lie to us if you want. Number. Most of our guests lie, but you can. My favorite number is 27. 27. Okay. Hillary. Yes. If God appeared to you in a series of vivid and moving dreams and told you to leave everything behind, travel alone to the Red Sea, and become a fisherman, <laughs> what would you do? What if you were told? Oh gosh! What if you were told to sacrifice your child? It doesn't say that. It does say that. How could I make that this is so up? Strange. That is the most peculiar question I think we've had yet in this. Book. Yes. Because I the love this number twenty-seven. Has no connect. Does it really say the Red Sea? It really does. Number it's twenty-seven. The Abraham, the Red sea. So it's the Hillary. Abraham and Isaac story. Yeah, but no, but, they're, but they're, no, not really, because the Red Sea. Has I would to do stop with, uh, eating so much salty food right before I went to bed. <laughs> so you wouldn't believe it if you no. you would not uh, you have so you you're athletic you're an artist a neuroscience background a baker I'm a bit of a realist um, no uh, offense Ray <laughs> but you but you have no spiritual component I Everything don't else, I don't I have a spiritual component but it is much more centered around nature and beauty and um, 
things aligned so that we can be here as opposed to images of God telling me to do things like go to the Red Sea and sacrifice my child. <laughs> what a sacrifice your child. That's so odd. My child is, what if it is was, uh, too great for that. Never <laughs> use water and bake oh, goods again and find another way. If Mother Nature came to you, find if another way. If we had a drought um, or something like that, I don't know. Um, We'd figure something out. Okay, but you wouldn't feel any spiritual. Okay, got I'm so it. Not, no, not really. <laughs> All right. What, what? I'm not going to recover. Uh, it's a pretty weird question. I want to curl up okay, and cry. Okay, so what is yeah. your favorite? And I have to answer that in front of Ray. Like, it's not even fair. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, let's ask Ray. What? If she came to you right. and you told you that does? she had yeah. a dream. Right, that God that told get, her to go to the. Called her, yeah. What Would is, you believe it? I wouldn't it? buy it now. What is your official title? What? I'm, oh, uh, what, I'm what senior you, pastor at Redeemer. At Redeemer. Okay. So. Right. so what if God came to you in a dream? Would you not trust that God would come to you in a dream? Or There's a story you? about this. And in, in, uh, you don't want to hear this now. It'd be okay. But you know the story. Maybe this happens one time and the guy doesn't believe it. So then God comes to him again and tells him again. And then, you know, after two or three times, finally he realizes that's what's happening. That's how it would have to happen to me. I wouldn't believe it the first you, the time. The first no time way. you would have so. to. Um, so yeah. you would tell her, I wouldn't, I wouldn't throw your baby in the Red Sea unless he came to you three or four times. And then, <laughs> I maybe on the fourth awake. time. I think you're awake, I think. Okay. Yeah. That, that's very legitimate. It depends on which you. one of my kids, too. I, mean, not, <laughs> I got a 14 year old, you know, so. Right. Strong you know, Sometimes, yeah, yeah right. <laughs> oh, great. All right. That's a weird what, one. What, what, what is your favorite number? How about 39? 39. Do you want to read that's shorter. this? shorter. I just like to read over your shoulder. Okay. Oh, that's boring compared to that. <laughs> well, I don't know what would Can we be? say, like, in bed? <laughs> this says, um, do your close friends tend to be older or younger than you in bed? <laughs> <laughs> Come on. I mean. Yeah. Uh, are, but who are your closest friends be- besides uh, Hillary here? Yeah, are you the. Uh, they probably tend to be older than me. Uh yeah, and I don't know they're whether they're older bed. or better or younger or whatever than me in bed. I'm really, um, you know, with <laughs> you my close friends, I, it's just sort of small well, in. Are you, I, you're wearing a wedding ring? I am wearing my wedding ring. So Okay. Is know, your wife? My wife is younger than me. Okay. So, um, she, you know, so she really likes to hang out with older people. I guess so. Older. She uh, very much likes, you know, the, the older the better. Okay. Actually, one of her favorite people in the city is the owner of the Britannia Theater. Who is? I love is that like, guy. Yeah, he's a great guy. Love you talking about the old guy? Yeah, oh, Jacques, yeah. right? Yeah. Is that it? Is yeah. it Jacques or Pierre? Which How is old it? is um, that? He's probably in his nineties. Yeah, he's in his early nineties. Yeah. yeah, he's old. Cool. Love that guy. He's, he's a cool guy. And, yeah, he's an yeah. awesome guy. He's amazing. Wait, how'd she get to be friends with him? Well, we can't let that go. Wait, um, <laughs> she's a teacher, and uh-huh. so uh, I'm trying to remember where. She was teaching when they'd go annually on field trips to the Britannia. Okay. Uh, and she'd just sort of go sit out. Usually it was to see movies she wasn't interested in right. or she'd already seen she'd or something. So she'd watch sit. It. And they'd go the, hang out in the yeah, lobby. Yeah, she'd go hang out in the lobby. And he'd so just what do they do like besides Britannia? Do they like go to like Saints games together? They go, I, to, I they go to hear Rebirth mainly, Brass Band? Like what do they do together? Yeah, I think to she mainly just hangs out with them at the Britannia. I don't know. <laughs> but I'll have to check in. Maybe it's a you good question for me to ask earlier. They had that, was it called the Grindhouse or something like that? Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a nice co- little coffee shop in yeah. there. She, maybe she, maybe she goes in there and hangs out with them. I don't it's know. possible. All right. She was at the bakery this morning. So, right. you, <laughs> you have a wife. Yes. Obviously, um, do, are you? Do you have any babies to throw in the sea? Or I do. I have other? a. Um, well, I am recently divorced, but I have a child, Addison, who is um, going to be four on Thursday. Oh, All right. four. So, her happy middle, day of it. Her middle Addison, name is Laurel. Birth. And Addison I, Laurel. Laurel for the Laurel Street? Yes. Oh, come on. Wow, that's cool. I like that. No, I, I actually and really she's your like the name. baby hot muffin. Exactly. She was the bun in the oven. So, <laughs> so the um, best thing you ever baked, right? Right. Oh, nice. <laughs> so she's cute. She, she loves being at the bakery. I have several um, photos of her rolling out pie crust better than I could. Um, no, she loves it. Hopefully she'll... You know, she spent most of her life there, so right. she'll well, this continue we'll to love okay, it. Yeah, yeah. No, you, you have, have a good question because no, no, this ahead. is off the subject, but um, we had heard uh, some good fun facts about you, and one of the things that I don't, is popping out to me is that you know how to juggle 
and walk on your hands. Yes. And so, but do not you? at the same time. I don't know how to walk on my hands, but I know how to juggle. Okay, well, I was going to ask, you can't do any of that <laughs> while you're developing and doing that kind of thing, but have you ever done anything acrobatic like that and baked and, you know, at the same time? Have you ever juggled <laughs> hot muffins? No. Why? No. What, what is that about? What, you you y'all are both into, did you know I mean, you I don't juggle a lot, I, but I can. I, I work. Give her something to juggle. Um, what do we have? <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, we have some, Ray's I hope this butter things. I don't know. We have anything to juggle? Really Y'all could do it for juggling. Nobody here. can see it, but they could tag yeah. team uh, right. juggle. So I had I used to work at the New Orleans Lawn Ooh. Tennis Club every summer in high school, and I worked in the pro shop. Also in our neighborhood. Yeah, I right strung tennis yeah. rackets, and I was I got high surrounded. cholesterol at the Lawn Tennis Club in high school, <laughs> and we look at the same I age. <laughs> I, uh, I so I was a. I, when I didn't have anything to do, it was like, I've got these tennis balls and I can teach myself how to juggle. So that's how I learned how to juggle. Well, actually, that no, wait, you went job. to Newman, right? Mm -hmm. Didn't you go to Newman? Yes. Yeah, okay, but no, she's, she's a little you? younger than you. Uh, 89. But uh, that's why I was, you're, you're very creative. Well, I, and that was not. I don't uh, like being bored for like even 30 seconds. So right. if I didn't have a customer or a tennis racket to string or something to do, then it, it was. How do I entertain myself? So, so you taught yourself. And, and he can juggle, too. I just found out today. Yeah. And I juggle, actually, sometimes at work when I get really pissed off. <laughs> uh, it's a <laughs> there form of meditation? Something like that. There are three tennis balls we keep in the desk by one of my staff members' desks. And I'll like walk over there and get the tennis balls and juggle them. Um, do you juggle in front of people? Let them know you're pissed off. Is that like a sign? Is that like a little passive way of? It's not. Not usually. Not if I'm, I'm pissed off. I'm about to start there. throwing stuff. But uh, first, I'm going to juggle. If you don't, uh, there's you know. a, there's a lot of like negotiation that happens happens in the development world. So okay. when when I like get off a phone call that I'm particularly annoyed about, I'll often go like get the tennis balls and juggle for a minute, and then go back to whatever I'm doing. What about putting them on speakerphone? And Doing it that could be okay. Although our office is small enough that that would probably annoy everyone in the office. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let me ask you now. So, okay, so you, you don't get to, to go out to eat all that often, probably, because you're always working, right? But do you? And do I go? Four yeah, yeah, you go out to eat once in a while? Yeah, I do. I do. So, what do you, you have any favorite places to eat? Favorite places to eat? Oh, goodness. Um, I'm a pretty simple food person, believe it or not. Uh, one of the things that happens when you spend all of your time in the kitchen cooking is when it comes to either cooking at home or consuming food, you don't really care that much about it because you've been doing it all day. So a lot of times, I, you know, I'll eat, I'll go out to eat in places that are simple and um, I know what I'm going to get, like some a place like Juan's Flying Burrito, yeah. you know, or um, you know, slice. I love pizza. Yeah. I love cheeseburgers like I, I eat that's the kind of I don't for me to go to a fancy New Orleans restaurant is not really my right. preference I'd much right. rather go to the hole in the wall neighborhood places right. so um, that's I mean I for breakfast I'll go to you know Oak Street Cafe or places oh, yeah. like that just yeah, really really yeah recently, like yeah. the simpler the better for me as far as food goes um, probably my favorite fancier place to go would be someplace like Dante's Kitchen because they do it's it's casual enough that you know it's it's not pretentious but they uh, do a lot of you know he's opening things. he's opening another place in our neighborhood I did not yeah he's the one doing the pie and noodle place oh really uh, where the old Reginelli's was say I didn't realize that was the same Iman oh Iman is awesome where the old Reginelli's right right I didn't realize that was gonna be so his now you do you have kids I do. I have a, we're, we're sort of uh, like bookended right around Addison. I have a three-year-old and a five-year-old. Right. Okay, so you don't yeah. get out to eat much either. Uh, we, we do a little bit. Yeah, yeah. The, the and do y'all live in the Broadmoor? Is that uh, why no, you're passionate about that area? No, we actually live in Mid-City. Mid-City? Uh, yeah. And um, how, when you were thinking about the concept of that area, what was your passion and draw to it? Did you just see the potential? I think a lot of it was really the, the sort of force of personality uh, from LaToya Cantrell and Hal Rourke, who was the former executive director at the Broadmoor Development Corporation, and then the story of the neighborhood. Um, you know, that, that really this place that uh, held its diversity mm -hmm. through 
the 60s and 70s and 80s in New Orleans, and then post-Katrina was rebuilding itself from the inside out. Um, you know, what I know about and what I had done and what I was working on at the time was really about community and neighborhood rebuilding. Uh, and I was like in Boston studying it and then working down here part of the time. And I just felt like that was sort of stupid. Like, you know, there were people here who I could stand shoulder to shoulder with and help them make their neighborhood come back. And, and not just re w read yeah. about it in books and study it, but actually yeah. make a impact and definitely well, I mean, Broadmoor is one of those neighborhoods right it's the center of the bowl in a lot of ways mm -hmm. and Broadmoor is one of those neighborhoods that was 90% flooded or so I mean it was pretty much the whole neighborhood and yet came back almost 100% now of, of terms of uh, property being occupied again and all that and really I don't think there's any other neighborhood that's come back faster or stronger than Broadmoor in the city I, I think that's that's probably right I mean the, the story we talk about a lot and looking at it is you know 2400 houses that were basically abandoned all on the same day. Wow. Uh, and three and a half, four years later, without redeveloping a single property, uh, over 2,100 of those houses had been recovered. And one of our clients and partners is the Broadmoor Development Corporation. Um, you know, so now we're focused on the last three to 400 housing units in the neighborhood. Uh, and we've basically, over the last several years, put together a plan to turn the last 50 to 100 of the worst properties which we think will then spur the redevelopment of the remaining properties. Mm. Uh, so this idea that you rebuild the infrastructure, you put a school back in place, you put a library back in place, you put medical care back in place. And progressive get retailers medical. like this. Yeah. That that's the way you recover a neighborhood. Right. Uh, and it allows you to let the market work on the houses while you put the infrastructure around it. And then you can fix yeah. just and the worst ones. And then it's a whole ones. walking community, too. It's wonderful. Everything. Totally amazing. The neighborhood needs. Yeah, I'm so jealous of Napoleon, uh, how yeah. it has the uh, has the path in the middle and the trees. Yeah. And then right as you get in uptown, when you cross Claiborne, then we don't have that anymore. Right. And, I, you know, I love that. The, the, our, my church actually has a property on um, uh, up and that, that borders that. And okay. I was so happy to see that go in. That was all Broadmoor Improvement Association put mm -hmm. that in, right? Yeah, and they, yeah. they sort of fought for it and raised the money. And it's great. Got it to happen. It's, it's pretty little amazing. things like that that actually help create community. I think is you see people using it, people walking on all the time, hanging out there, and right. the neutral ground wasn't used before that. And your uh, Laurel Street Bakery is a walking. I mean, that's part of a community. Oh yeah, it's yeah. in a neighborhood. Absolutely. And has it so yeah, you have I a parking lot a next to it nice and i never transition. see any cars in it which is <laughs> I don't great think i love people that know they can park there yeah i don't think anyone drives to laurel street bakery right it's, it's pretty definitely much a, a walk neighborhood in. walking yep. um well i don't live anywhere near and i drive up there okay i don't mean that you're not a destination oh, no. oh, wait, i just mean wait. that you know you're loyal i'm sorry to interrupt this good serious conversation but i heard you have a pop-up going on out in Laurel Street Bakery currently, correct? It's not a pop-up. Um, it's um, it's Thrive Foods, which is doing um, food that you can pick prepared up to, yeah, food? prepared food um, daily, healthy prepared food, um, not diet food, but just good, healthy, wholesome. Fresh made. Right, right. Um, made on site. So they, there's not, we don't bake very much at Laurel Street anymore because we do most of the baking out of um, the commercial large kitchen where I do all the wholesale. Um, so there's space for other up-and-coming businesses that don't necessarily have the funding to open a kitchen on their own right off the bat. So we actually sublet the kitchen to them during the day, Monday through Thursday, and they prepare all of their meals, and then people come and pick up the food from Laurel Street in the evening. Will you tell us... Um the name of their business? Yes, it's called Thrive Food. Um, it's run by Peter Menge and Robert Faust. Um, they have they, a website? They do. Um, they have a strong online presence. They have Facebook. Um, they do a lot of cross-promotion for what we do. and we. Right. So is it just thrivefood.com? Thrivefood. Thrive I believe that? that's okay. the website. Thrive Foods NOLA, I think. Thrive Foods NOLA. Thrive Foods with an S. With an heavy S. Heavy again, but... There's a very dramatic story about their opening night in your Oh, bakery. yes. <laughs> so I just want you to, uh, because it seems to surround me. Do we have time me. to get this? Uh, do, yeah, sure, sure. Um, the opening day, the day that they started um, cooking, the the chef is, is Robert, and he um, was cooking in the bakery, and he has, he has a heart condition that he's had f since birth, but um, he 
did all of his cooking and then he went outside to take a break. He actually finished 10 minutes ahead of schedule. He's very and punctual. Were you there? I was not there at the time, but it, we were open and so my um, manager was there and we had customers. He went outside to make a phone call and actually um, ended up having a, a heart attack and it, w- it was not good. He, he, the ambulance came. He, nobody was sure whether he was going to make it. it. He ended up being fine, but he had to go. He was in, in, in a coma for a couple of days, intensive care for a long time. He had to have a defibrillator. And so started. that was his that first, was the first day, day. And he is still one. there. That, how long ago was that? Three? A uh, few months? That was... Three months, I think. I think three three months now they were scheduled to start the first. Okay, so he made it, and he is back. And and then and so now he's there every day cooking. And we, you know, I walk in and say, "You okay today? Okay, good." Like he's yeah, everything's fine. But so our theme tonight is resiliency, right? Right. (laughs) We got resilience in neighborhoods. Yeah, shots, floods, (laughs) heart attacks, comas. Nothing can stop. That property from back. blessing exactly. the rest of the city. You're just a, a exactly. beacon of and you're moving food to blessing another, uh, and, and expanding. Strong well, neighborhood. That's okay. exciting. Yeah. So you're you're going to share the love. We'll see if you've been if you'll be as blessed in Broadmoor as you've been I in certainly uptown. Hope and we're so. we're expecting that. That's we are awesome. Very excited about it. Well, it looks like our time has run out. Our special guest tonight at Midnight Menu Plus One has been Hillary Gutman of Laurel Street Bakery, and her plus one was Will Bradshaw of Green Coast Enterprises. You can find out more about Laurel Street Bakery by following the links on our website, itsneworleans.com. We'll also have information there about Green Coast Enterprises. Our show is recorded live at Ted's Frost Hop on Claiborne Avenue in Calhoun in uptown New Orleans. Ted's is open seven days a week serving first-class burgers, beer, and their awesome homemade root beer and a frosty mug. Midnight Menu Plus One is produced by Grant Morris and Chris Keogh has been our technical director. The fabulous audio quality of the show is brought to you in part by PreSonus Audio Electronics. PreSonus makes some of the best audio recording and live sound productions, including Studio One music production software, Studio Live digital mixing consoles, all kinds of things. Visit PreSonus.com for more information. And you can get in touch with us here at Midnight Menu Plus One by going to our website. It's NewOrleans.com. From there, you can follow us on Twitter, find us on Facebook and sign up for our mailing list. And while you're at itsneworleans.com, you can listen to our other episodes of Minute Menu Plus One, as well as other shows, Happy Hour, Mindset, True to the Game, Win Win, and Out to Lunch. Doesn't Win Win have a different name now? Yeah. Feed Nola? Viet Nola. Oh, Viet Nola. Viet Nola. I'm sorry. If you're listening to the show on iTunes, thanks for subscribing. Maybe you could take a minute to rate and review us, and that helps other people find us. Minute Menu Plus One is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com. So we meet here again at Ted's Frosthop. I'm Ray Kanata. And I'm Margo Moss. Good night. You know Labor Day signals the unofficial end of summer, but not the end of your outdoor projects. Lowe's helps you do it right and helps you save with Labor Day deals throughout the store. Shop now and get two bags of Stay Green Potty Mix for $12. And keep your lawn looking neat and trim with a Craftsman 2-Cycle 17-inch gas string trimmer now $20 off at just $119. Whatever's still on your to-do list this Labor Day, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 828. Soil offer excludes Alaska and Hawaii, U.S. only.